Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to an April 16th edition, yes, of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks to anybody who is watching on Facebook or Periscope via Twitter or any other avenue. And you can catch it on my uh, three different Facebook pages, I think. Also on the We Tackle Life Twitter site. The We Tackle Life Facebook page is one of my three, so lots of avenues to watch it. Thanks to those of you who might be watching on the replay. Appreciate it very much. We are going to talk about uh, one-time transfers in NCAA. I took my glasses off, so I'm having a hard time reading my own writing. One-time transfer eligibility in NCAA sports. Justin Fields' mysterious, quote-unquote, drop in the NFL draft. Efton Reed, the five-star center from IMG Academy, delaying his decision on college basketball. Gee, I wonder what that's about. And also about something else, including, of course, at the end, a faith portion of the podcast. So you can send me an email, wetacklelife at gmail.com. I hope you'll review the podcast. We put the faith portion at the end so that you can skip out and not listen to it if you don't want to and not feel guilty about it. Uh, And we also uh, put it on my YouTube channel, Bruce Hooley YouTube channel, only the faith portion. So if you want to see it, you can watch it there. And I'm going to be, hopefully this weekend, setting up uh, that part of the podcast as a standalone podcast. So if you don't want to mess with all the sports stuff and you want just the faith portion, I'm trying to make it easier for you to get all of that. I'm also making it easier for you to get Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. I can't order it for you, but I can tell you how to save 15%, and you'll see it at the bottom of the page on the crawl. 15% off when you use the promo code We Tackle Life. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee's awesome. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters founders are awesome. Paul and Grace, they were missionaries in foreign countries. They saw a lot of impoverished people. They saw a lot of pain, a lot of dysfunction, a lot of um, discrimination, and they tried to fix it. And what they found was that every problem they fixed was there again when they came back from the States and revisited. But if they help the local economies and people gain self-esteem from their own successes and the money circulated through the community, things got better. And so they have started Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, and it's flourished because the coffee's great. Every bean is handpicked by people in Indonesia, Nicaragua, Thailand, and they do great things in those communities. So you're supporting a good cause and good people, and you're getting great coffee, and you're saving money, which is also great. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, Dot com use the promo code we tackle life so that they know that I sent them I sent you to them okay great now let's talk about the NCAA's one-time transfer rule okay it's the right rule I like it I like it I didn't like the fact that some people got a waiver and other people got a waiver there are th- let me put it this way there are things to like about it it evens the playing field for instance why did some Players get immediate eligibility last year, or maybe it was two years ago at Marquette. Like, I'm thinking of the Hauser brothers. Like, Joey Hauser didn't get immediate eligibility at Michigan State, which, okay, I'm glad because I didn't want him to get immediate eligibility, but that's really not fair because some other guys did get it. And Justin Fields got immediate eligibility at Ohio State, but there were other football players who didn't get it. And the Justin Fields reason that he gave was a reason the NCAA couldn't say no to, but it it really wasn't the reason. Otherwise, 
Justin Fields' sister wouldn't have gone to the same school that he transferred from. So I'm just saying, this is now it's like, okay, one time you transfer, you're eligible. And if you're a person who can't get it right on a do-over, and I'm a person who I'd like to think in my life has gotten it right on a do-over, um, well, then you got to sit the next time. So I think that's fair. But, but something can be good and have a downside. The downside is it makes <laughs> recruiting a never-ending battle like in college basketball right with this transfer portal you're seeing guys move like 36 guys in the big 10 36 guys in the big 10 went into the transfer portal now some of them are going back to where they were the indiana guys are going back to play for mike woodson but that's a lot of guys right it's almost 36 guys over 12 schools three a school which that's roster upheaval high state had three last year dj carton and Luther Muhammad, and Alonzo Gaffney. So uh, it's now uh, amps this up to the nth degree, and coaches are always going to be recruiting. And you say, well, okay, you know, they're paid very well, and they got to do their job. They, they are paid very well, and they do have to do their job. But the thing about it is you're going to have whispers to guys, hey, you're not playing there, but if you came over here, imagine – and the other thing it's going to do is, and Ohio State may benefit from this, I think more in football than in basketball. Uh, maybe in basketball they'll benefit. For instance, this year, if you're a big man and you're looking at Ohio State or you're looking to transfer, you should look at Ohio State and say, I can walk right in there and start at center. You know, John Harar, Miles Johnson, Liam Robbins, all Big Ten guys. They could walk right into Ohio State and play big minutes next year. So um, they might benefit, but typically, you know, then if you've got a guy like, say, Ohio State has a guy on the roster who oh, I'm trying to think of a situation without having people freak out because I'm totally making it up. But um, let's say Musa Jallo was more germane to what Ohio State was going to do next year. They can live without Musa Jallo, although he's, you know, he contributed in some games. He won them some games. Won them the Notre Dame game. And probably another one that I'm forgetting. Uh, but let's say your Musa Jallo was like a super valuable, like sixth man off the bench. And he was playing 25 minutes a game and he wanted to play 35 minutes a game. Well, there'd be a team in the somewhere that would come to him and go, hey, you step right in, and start a shooting guard for us or start a wing for us. And you tempt now the temptation for kids to leave will not just come from their own dissatisfaction, it will come from. Schools approaching them and saying, hey, come here and play. Now, for Ohio State football, this is good because Ohio State football is one of the haves, right? And so, like, let's say there's a quarterback someplace this year. After last season, there's a quarterback. I'm trying to think a super good, like, let's say Trey Lance. Instead of Trey Lance going to the NFL draft, Trey Lance at North Dakota State might have said, hey, Justin Fields leaving Ohio State. Um I can go there and step right in and play and start and make myself, which Trey Lance is already a, probably a top five pick, but there'll be a year where there'll be a guy. Like, for instance, I don't necessarily know if it's quarterback because that's kind of system-related and all that stuff, but an all-Big Ten cornerback at Northwestern, at Indiana, at Maryland, uh, at Purdue, how are those coaches going to hold on to that kid? When Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, 
other schools are coming going, hey, you come here and play, and, I mean, we are going to win the national title, and you can go, you know, 7-5 and five there, but mm, come on over, come on over. It's like, <laughs> it's like uh, the football version of adultery, right? Yeah, it is. It's a temptation. You're married and, uh, you know, another person of the opposite sex is like, hey, mm, mm, come on over. That's what this is. So it's going to make coaches' lives awful. And um, and with NIL, name, image, and likeness thrown in there, hey, hey, you're starting at Northwestern. How much you making? Oh, you got to deal with Mustard's Last Stand, huh? That's a real place if you haven't been to Northwestern. Mustard's Last Stand's a hot dog stand right literally in the parking lot of the football and basketball uh, facilities. Oh, you got a little deal with Mustard's Last Stand, huh? How would you like to come to Ohio State and sign a $50,000 deal with Donato's or a $50,000 deal with Nationwide Insurance or a $50,000 deal with Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet or Byers Imports or Reichert Ford? I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? It's not only a playing time bidding war, it's a cash bidding war. So it's going to make the rich richer and the up-and-coming people harder to play for. I kind of wonder if this might be a damaging blow to places like Gonzaga in basketball. How much money can a kid make at Gonzaga being a commercial spokesman in Spokane? He can make a whole lot more in some places. It also might hurt a school like UCLA. In the L.A. market, does a kid's endorsement on something really matter much? Now, I'm thinking this through as I'm going. It doesn't make, but here's the thing. With alumni, it doesn't matter, right? With alumni, it doesn't matter. Bigger the school, more the alumni, greater the chance you've got a billionaire alum, and UCLA would, uh, who could say, I don't care if I get a return on my investment. I just want to watch this kid play for my school. Uh, it might help Michigan. What if Stephen Ross, owner of the Miami Dolphins and the guy who bankrolled the business school at Michigan, decides, hey, I don't want Quinn Ewers going to Ohio State. Hey, Quinn, I'm a billionaire. I'll pay you a million bucks for your name, image, and likeness to go to Michigan. Now, that is probably something the NCAA is trying really, really hard to get its arms around and prevent. And so right now you could probably research it and go, oh, you're off your rocker. Okay, I am no doubt off my rocker, but in my lifetime, I remember a sport magazine headline, a sport magazine headline, will Pete Rose become baseball's first $100,000 singles hitter in my lifetime? Okay, well, I'm, you say, wow, you're old, dude. I'm not that old. And what does it tell you if it happened in my lifetime? It's going to eventually happen. But I believe that name, image, and likeness is the forbidden fruit from the Garden of Eden. You can pick that apple and you can eat that apple and you can enjoy that apple, but what does that apple lead to? College athletics better be careful. Legalizing everything may be the right thing to do, but... Life is, life is lived better with guardrails 
to keep us from our worst inclination. And you keep paying these guys more money, and you keep letting them transfer every year. My my uh, fascination and love for baseball ended about five years into free agency when it became impossible to remember who played for who. And I just wonder if people will look differently on college athletics if guys are school hopping every year and guys are getting paid exorbitant amounts of money. You can laugh at the amateurism model, and I laugh at it too. We all go, yeah, right, they're amateurs. They haven't been amateurs for a long time. Whether it's under-the-table payments, whether it's you know all the benefits they get of playing – gear, the tutoring, all that stuff. You could argue it's not been amateur for a long time. And you could argue that's right and that's fair. And I've argued that it's right and it's fair. But again, when is enough enough? And when does the uh, doing right by kids uh, morph into not doing right by the sport? So uh, that's my thought. Uh, Anthony, thank you for your affirmation. He says great points about NIL. Yeah, I think people will... Uh, lose their right now we whether real or not and it's not real we think oh he's a college kid he's just a poor college kid he's doing it for the love of good old state you most of them are doing it for the chance to get to the pros which i'm fine with that but if they're doing it for the highest bid eh, that's like a little harder to embrace a little harder to Embrace. Okay, speaking of a kid who transferred and who did well and who's going to go high in the NFL draft, we'll get to Justin Fields in a second, but a reminder, the official attorney firm of the We Tackle Life podcast is Willis Spangler Starling. They are in Hilliard, and I know a lot of you may be listening in you know, other states and say, well, I, they can't do anything for me. No, they can't, but if you're local, and a lot of you are local, Willis Spangler Starling is the attorney firm you need to remember because the wrong time to look for anything is when you're desperate to find it. I need a car today. Yeah, well, you're probably not going to make the best deal. I need an attorney today. Here's the truth. If you're involved in an accident, and they're not exclusively personal injury attorneys, but they do personal injury cases. I found this out when somebody hit me a couple years ago. Holy cow, you become the most popular kid in the room. You get inundated with all these attorney letters. And chances are, if attorneys are (laughs) sending you stuff unsolicited... Maybe you should be a little bit more circumspect in your choice of attorney firms. Willis Spangler Starling, they're awesome. Personal injury, wills estate planning, workers' compensation, social security disability, uh, all the biggies, workers' comp, all the biggies. So they're great, and they're really integrity mm, through the roof, expertise, same. Willis Spangler Starling online, willisattorneys.com. Okay, Justin Fields saw a story last night on the ringer about Justin Fields' drop in the NFL draft and what's behind Justin Fields' drop in the NFL draft. And so I read part of it, and of course, you know, we got the racism as a factor because he's a black quarterback. I roll my eyes at that because Trey Lance is a black quarterback, and Trey Lance is not dropping. Trey Lance is ascending. Although, is he ascending, and is Justin Fields dropping? Because I would argue that the NFL draft actually has to happen before anything matters, right? All this stuff before the draft, what do they call the draft process? The silly season. Because 
Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say you can believe the national media on national news more than you can believe NFL media on NFL draft. I think they're actually both at the same level of disinformation and misinformation because nothing you read on the NFL draft is anything you should put stock in because let's take Justin Fields. There are 32 teams in the NFL draft. I'm sure all 32 would love to have Justin Fields on their roster. There's a lot of them that look at the draft and their draft order and go, we got no chance of getting him. There are some at the top that go, hey, we might be able to get Justin Fields, but you know, we got to weigh him against Trey Lance and Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and on and on and on. And then there are some in that underbelly that, that you know, where? Three to 12 that think, hey, you know, Patrick Mahomes went nine. Warren Sapp dropped in a draft. Randy Moss dropped in a draft. Adrian Peterson dropped in a draft. All great players. Maybe if we put out some phony stink on Justin Fields, maybe he'll fall to us. Now, I'm not accusing any particular team of that, but if you think that doesn't happen in the NFL draft, you're nuts. It happens every year multiple times. And so before we get all frothy at the mouth about Justin Fields plummeting in the draft, let's see where he's taken. Let's see where he's taken. And let's consider the possibility that if he drops where below where Ohio State fans think he ought to go, which is two, because I think most Ohio State fans realize that, well, if Urban Meyer is going to take Trevor Lawrence, then that's probably not anything to do with the fact that Urban doesn't like Justin Fields. It's probably that Urban thinks and his scouts think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a better pro, which, thank you, Captain Obvious, everybody thinks that. They might be wrong, but they think that. Okay. But Ohio State fans love Justin Fields with good reason. He's been phenomenal for Ohio State. Saved their bacon. Would you like to have experienced the Tate Martell era? No, I think not. Okay, so, but let's wait and see where he's picked, okay? And let's consider the possibility that while they may love Justin Fields, they love Mac Jones a little better on merit, or they love Trey Lance a little better on merit, or they love Zach Wilson a little better on merit, and it has nothing to do with Zach Wilson being white or uh, Mac Jones being white because have we not gotten to the point where it's pretty clear that NFL teams are colorblind? We have a lot of black quarterbacks in the NFL, and I don't think any team can possibly be successful if they view quarterbacks through the prism of color. They want to do it. Have at it. But you're going to miss out on some great, great, great players. So I think that's contrived nonsense from the ringer. Now, Justin Fields, look, here's the thing. Justin Fields is surrounded by unbelievable talent at Ohio State. Does Ohio State have better talent than BYU? Yeah. Do they have better talent than North Dakota State? Yeah. Do they have better talent than Bama? No, probably not. Better talent than Clemson? Not appreciably, but maybe a little based on their last game. So is it possible that NFL teams look at Justin Fields and go, how much of Justin Fields is related to all those wideouts and that offensive line and J.K. Dobbins? That might make an NFL team nervous about whether he can lift them on his own.
I'm just saying it might. If you've ever talked to Justin Fields, he's a very quiet young man, very respectful young man, very polite young man. But maybe, like, there are horses for courses, right? Like, some horses run well in the mud, some run well on a fast track, some well run well on a sloppy track. There may be teams that just like their quarterback a little bit more boisterous than Justin Fields may come off in an interview. It's potato, patata, apple pie, lemon pie. There's no science to this. There's all kinds of numbers and intangibles and this, that, and the other. But there's also, there's all kinds of tangibles, rather. But there's also intangibles. And I just, I hate the lazy approach to evaluation. Oh, well, he dropped. It's got to be this. No, it doesn't have to be that. It can be anything. It could be phony. Maybe the Niners will take him third. Maybe they will. Which... I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they did. So the whole, like, let's pick a guy who's falling. He hasn't fallen yet. Let's give it eight days, okay? And let's see if he falls or not. So that's my Justin Fields falling in the draft take. And it's not brought to you by, but this podcast is in part brought to you by my friends at auiinfo.com. If you're a business owner... It's a pain to switch all your insurance over because you have to spend all that time researching it. No, you don't. AUI will do it for you. They'll do it for you free. Benefits like dental vision, disability health, that's how you attract and keep great employees. Also, if you're an individual, you can change your insurance right now. Normally only late November to December, but you can do it now. The enrollment window has been reopened by the president. So AUI is a free service. Most of you, if I said, hey, free T-shirt, you'd, you'd go through all kinds of machinations to get the free T-shirt, even though you got a bazillion T-shirts. So I'm giving you free information that can save you money and get you better coverage individually or for your business. And it's free, and all it takes is a log on to a website, which you do 100 times a day, and type in a couple questions in a chat and give them your parameters and get your answer back. And yet, you won't do it. Crazy. To me, at least. AUIinfo.com. AUINFO.com. Great information, great people, small company, small business. They understand small businesses. So do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Now to Ohio State basketball. And yesterday was April 15th. Your taxes were not due. They're not due until May 17th. But Efton Reed's decision on his college basketball home was due because his mom said it was going to happen on April 15th. But it did not happen on April 15th. She tweeted during the day, oh, stand by, we're not going to, whatever. Okay. Disappointing, because I was hoping Ohio State would get a five-star center yesterday. And they may still. I do not speak for the Ohio State basketball program. I speak for Bruce Hooley and Bruce Hooley only. I've had no communication with anyone in the Ohio State basketball program on the topic of is Efton Reed coming to Ohio State or is Efton Reed not coming to Ohio State. But... I have done this a fair amount, and I consider myself, and I think I've proven myself, a pretty good reader of tea leaves. And when Efton Reed postpones his announcement on where he was going to go to college, and most people thought it was going to come down to Pitt or Ohio State, and all of a sudden, FSU and LSU are involved, something tells me, and it's only something inside me, but something tells me that Efton Reed is 
on the market. And Florida State and LSU will be one or the other the final destination of Efton Reed. Did I make that opaque enough for you to see through what I'm saying? I think I did. So there we go. That is the uh, Efton Reed saga as I see it through my skeptical glasses. Yes. I will also say this. Um, dramatic recruitments and last-second switches very infrequently lead to stellar careers. So I'd love to see you on campus in Columbus, Efton. I hope to see you on campus in Columbus in an Ohio State uniform because you would be making a great choice to play for a great coaching staff if you so decide to do that. Good luck to you, young man. Okay. Uh, now, uh, one more reminder, sponsor-wise, another 15% offer to save at cbdhealthcollection.com. I'm not kidding you, fellas. I'm getting ready to do the faith portion of the podcast, so I think you know I'm not going to lie to you. I got up this morning. Most every morning I get up with a nervy discomfort in my back, and I go right for my CBD Health Collection warming salve, and I put it on, and the pain is gone. Three to five hours relief. For me, if I get up and get going and get moving, the pain goes away once I use the warming salve. So yeah, that's not their only product. They got a ton of different products. And any way you want them to deliver the CBD to your system, they can do so. Freeze gel, warming salve, tinctures, gummies, caplets, pain patches, sunscreen, on and on and on and on and on. You have to go to their website and see their product line. But the important thing to remember is they get the CBD out in a very healthy way. They spend more money to get it out so that they don't have to use cheap methods that put your health at risk. Some CBD you buy, if you look at the ingredients, if they're honest, it'll say butane. You want to put butane in your body? No. Uh, you shouldn't want to. It's toxic. With CBD, it's not regulated by the FCC. So it's the Wild West, baby. But CBD Health Collection, I personally vouch for their authenticity and for their veracity in removing uh, the CBD from the plant so that you get only the best, highest quality. They monitor their growers around the country. I mean, what I'm telling you about them should tell you, hey, I can trust this product. You're not going to test positive for marijuana. That's a myth with uh, CBD health collection products. If you, want, if you want the actual, like, uh, what's that, THC? then uh, it will be clearly labeled. Some CBD health collection products have it, but it'll be clearly labeled and you'll know. So that's the deal. Save 15% off. they got a store in Granville, and you can order it on the phone or via the website. Use my name and you'll get 15% off. In the faith portion of the podcast today, I wanted to talk about a couple things that have gone on with me recently. Things that are on my mind, things that trouble me, things that I feel like I can speak to that will hopefully uh, provide some help, some clarity, and some understanding. Uh, so I'm going to talk about pride. And I was thinking today that we really need another word in the English language for pride in the accomplishments, the triumphs of the people we love. Uh, 
because we need the word pride to exclusively apply to scriptural matters because it is of such great importance that you, me, and everyone really understand God's perspective on pride. He hates it. I can say that with authority because he says so in the Bible. I hate Proverbs. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. That is a verse direct from Proverbs. Okay, so pride, I'm proud of my daughters. When they do well on the soccer field, on the golf course, on the basketball court, when they show kindness to other people, when they um, connect something that they see in society to a biblical principle, and I see them maturing in their faith, my heart swells with something that we have only the word pride to describe. And that's unfortunate because it allows us, it, it lures us, it tempts us to view pride in a different way than God views pride when pride manifests itself in the way he hates. And the way God hates pride is self-sufficiency. I've thought a lot about this in the last few days, and I think that I am on solid ground. I would open, I would open myself up to your input. Email me, wetacklelife at gmail.com. Review the podcast on iTunes. I think every sin, every shortcoming, every evil circumstance in life boils down to pride. We had a mass shooting last night in Indianapolis. Somebody decided that other people's lives were not worth being allowed to go on. Somebody decided to play God and end someone's life. I think of eight people. Horrible. Prematurely. End their lives prematurely. That is the height of pride. Eve in the garden did not listen to what God said about avoiding the fruit of the top of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because Satan tempted her with what? Pride. If you eat that, you're not going to die. You're going to realize, have clarity, understanding. You'll be like God. He doesn't want that. That's why he doesn't want you to eat the apple. Satan appealed to Eve's pride to have more, something outside the boundaries that God established for her and Adam. And she succumbed to that temptation because she succumbed to pride. The Pharisees, those who rejected Jesus then and those who reject Jesus now, what is often given as the reason why somebody will tell you, I don't need Jesus Christ in my life. I don't need to accept his sacrifice at the cross. I don't need his free gift of salvation and eternal life. Why? Because I'm a good person. 
my rating system for me, what I do for others, how I view others and how I compare them so how I compare them to me, they're way more evil than I am. Relative to them, I'm a good person. Ergo, I don't need Jesus. Establishing your own set of guidelines for how you will be judged eternally. Establishing a set of guidelines and parameters different than what God says in the Bible is his standard, the only standard, is the epitome of pride. Saying you know more than God. No, no. I don't need Jesus. I go to church. I give to the poor. I let people in on the off-ramp in front of me on the interstate, on-ramp on the interstate. I do so many good things. Certainly, I'm good enough for heaven. You wouldn't dare keep me out because here's my standard. That is pride. The um, Bible is clear in many, many ways, many, many places, that the key to pleasing God is what? Faith, believing in his son. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Now, people in that day had the benefit of seeing Jesus raise people from the dead, heal lepers, do miracles, walk on water, turn water into wine. We don't get that. We don't get that eyewitness account. And even though people had that eyewitness account then, they didn't believe. A lot of them didn't believe. Why didn't they believe? Because they had it in their mind that when the Messiah came, he was going to be an earthly conqueror. So Jesus told them, no, I'm the son of man. Look at what I'm doing here. (laughs) And they were like, nope, nope. We know what the Messiah is, and you're not him. Pride, right? So here's another verse from Proverbs, Proverbs 16.5. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be assured of this, they will not go unpunished. Pride is such an evil thing, such a scary thing, such a fatal thing. Those who elevate themselves above what God ordains is the avenue to forgiveness and restoration of your relationship with him are prideful and will not be welcomed into heaven. In the Bible, many Jesus tells the story. Many people will go, wait, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did it in your name. And God will say, nope, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Evildoers? I, I, I gave to charity. I went to church. I helped people. But you did it according to your standard, according to your elevation of self above me. How many times did Jesus say when he healed somebody in the New Testament, your faith has made you well? Your faith has made you well. Their faith that he could do what he said he would do, that he was who he said he was, their faith made them well. What is the opposite of faith? I know you're going. 
uh, doubt. No, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is self-sufficiency. I don't need to put my faith in Christ. I got it. I got it. I can take care of it. I can do it myself. It was really interesting when I became a parent. The first three-word sentence that all three of my daughters learned was, I do it. You know, your child becomes a toddler, and they start to spread their wings, and you don't have to do as much for them, get them their bottle, all this stuff. And they want, they like that independence. And it's in many ways innocent and adorable and embraceable. But at its root, that seed inside every man I do it. Manifests itself in things that are not adorable and embraceable and lovable. Because that is the seed of pride. It is pride. I don't need, I don't need, no, I don't need your help. No, no, no. Try to give somebody something sometime. Many people can't accept charity. They got to do something for you back. They can't accept a free gift. What is the ultimate free gift? The ultimate free gift in life is forgiveness for our sin. And Jesus offers that free gift. All you have to do is have faith that it's legit and that he paid the penalty for our sin debt at the cross. And yet people struggle so much with that. No, 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 I'll do I not nope, nope, I'll do it. Or what do they say? I don't need that. I'm I don't need it. God says you need it. God says every all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, I know, no. That's pride telling you you don't need it. So it's so heartbreaking to me. When I see this attitude manifested in our world, and, and I'm, I'm like one of the kings of it. Like, I have been a prideful person <laughs> so long in my life, and I struggle with it daily, hourly, minute by minute. Because why would Satan attack me someplace where I'm not tempted? Satan... I'm not tempted. I'm blessed. I'm not tempted with same-sex attraction. I'm not tempted uh, to harm others, to murder others, to steal. There are a lot of sins I'm not tempted by. Satan doesn't tempt me with those sins. He tempts me with the ones I'm vulnerable to, and one I'm vulnerable to are things that emanate from pride. Because my responses to people over the years have not always been kind. I've been like, whoa, what are you talking about? I got that in me all, I mean, it's all through me. And so I was hesitant to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it because I want to be transparent with you. But I want to be fair to the person I'm referring to. There's someone that I've had a, an association with in my past who... Um, Clearly, 
very clearly um, does not appreciate my um, view on life right now. This person is very hostile, it appears to me, toward God and very hostile toward me. That's okay. It's okay. Jesus said, when they hate you, just know they're going to hate you because they hate me. So I understand it. It's not, a, it's not enjoyable to experience, but I understand it. We were never um, aligned in our thoughts. We were never aligned in how we looked at the world, but we were civil to each other. And I would be civil to this person now. I would, I would you know, it, I don't know that they could be civil to me, but, uh, but I would really try hard to be civil to them. Because the truth is, in my time being associated with them, I'm sure I did a really rotten job of modeling the kind of changes God wanted to bring about in my life then, and that he is, I hope, closer to bringing about in me now because I've experienced uh, some things in my life since then that focused me more on the things of God than I was committed to focusing on then. There was a time when the um, comments that I've seen this person make about me would have inspired me to respond angrily, uh, unkindly. And that shows how far short I fell of my mission to model Christ-like behavior to people who need to see it put into action as an attraction for them to want to adopt it in their own life. So I'm very sad when I contemplate Sure, what this person says about me now, to me now, that makes me sad. What makes me more sad is that I failed to be a good disciple of the gospel. That really makes me sad. And I failed because of my pride. And this person now is, um, it appears to me, quite bitter, quite angry. And from what I know about the person, it's it's an issue of pride. So um, that's where I am. The sixteenth uh, of the month has me, and of course, the sixteenth chapter of Proverbs. And so I will share with you two more verses that I hope put a nice bow on this. All the people in the world who want to establish their own standard for fellowship with God or believe they don't need a a relationship with God because either they don't believe in God or they don't believe in the things of God or whatever, does not change the reality that God is the sovereign controller of the universe, all things in it, every person's life eternally will come down to what they choose to do with the free gift of salvation offered to them through the cross of Christ. 
but people want to establish their own parameters for how life ends and how uh, whether eternity exists and if eternity exists, what their place will be in it and why their place will be what they deem it to be. And God says something about that through Solomon in Proverbs 16, verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man. There is a way that seems right to a man. I'm going to do it this way. This is the way eternity's decided. I this, I that. My, my truth. Uh, there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, the verse says, but in the end, it leads to death. And he's not talking about death in this life. Everybody's going to experience that unless Christ comes back before they breathe their last. He's talking about eternal death, eternal punishment, separation from God. Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So if you're sitting there right now and you're watching this and you're like, well, what do I do? What can I do? That question was asked of Jesus by the Pharisees in John 6. What must we do? Everybody wants to do something. Everybody wants to earn something. Everybody wants to merit something. What do we do? You're like Bruce Hooley. You've lived your life, been a bad example to people. You've made mistakes. You'd like to correct it. You're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and you think it's too late. Never too late. Never too late. Thief on the cross got forgiveness as he was breathing his last. So it's never too late for anybody. So back to that question. What do we do? What do we do? Jesus gave you the answer. Pretty good source, right? What must we do to do the works of God? That's what they asked Jesus in John 6. Jesus said, John 6, 29, the work of God is this. What is it? The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Just like every sin emanates from the word pride, from the actions of pride, from the implementation and manifestation of pride, just like every sin emanates from pride, so does salvation, eternal life, forgiveness, grace, peace, joy emanate from that. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe in his sufficiency. Humble yourself before God's mighty hand, and in due time he will lift you up. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But if you have pride and you want to do it your way, you're not humbling yourself. You're not saying, Lord, I know. I've screwed my life up. I had this conversation with him, and I've had it several times. Lord, I have screwed my life up. And you have no reason to forgive me except that your word promises that you will. And so I want to hold you to that. And from this day forward, I want to be a new person, just like Jesus rose from the grave to demonstrate new life. I want to rise to a new life. I want to be born again in my spirit. I want to be a different person. I want to shed my pride. I'm going to battle it every day with your help, but I want your spirit to come into me 
And I want to show you that I believe in the one God has sent. That's the faith portion of the podcast today. I hope it's a blessing to you. Tell your friends about the YouTube channel, Bruce Hooley YouTube channel. Only faith stuff posted there. I will establish a faith-only podcast of this part of the We Tackle Life podcast. You can reach me on email, wetacklelife at gmail.com. You can, of course, review the podcast on iTunes. I appreciate so much the time that you have taken to listen to this. It would be wonderful if you would uh, patronize the sponsors who support this podcast because they're great people and people you can trust. So have an awesome weekend. Enjoy the spring game. Um, And I will talk to you Monday here on the We Tackle Life podcast.